Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. We've been in a series on, on Better Together and really the where that came from is, is during COVID, it became obvious that maybe some of us didn't build our lives on the firm foundation we thought. And so I wanted to address things on how do we build ourselves on the firm foundation of who Jesus is. And so we've been looking at messages of Jesus and, so, so Jesus and uh, singing, Jesus and giving, Jesus and scripture, and, and so lots of different topics. But this morning, as we look at Palm Sunday, I felt like it'd be worthwhile to, to look at exactly who Jesus is. You know, why does it matter, Jesus and? It's all about because of who Jesus is. And, and the passage that we get in for Palm Sunday reveals who Jesus is. And you'll see this morning as we dive into that passage why it's so important we consider everything through the lens of, of who Jesus is. You see, people around the world have different definitions of who Jesus is. Uh, we lived in the Middle East for a number of years in East Africa, and, and Muslims, they think that Jesus is a great prophet. Many would say he's a great teacher. Most Christians would hold that he's the son of God, but, but what's interesting is, is even Christians can have different views of who Jesus is. So how do we know who he is? Well, of course, we find our answers in Scripture. That's why we did a message on Jesus in Scripture, because as we look at God's word, we find the definition. And so as we celebrate Palm Sunday today, we come across a passage that shows us exactly who he is. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that because we just want to weekly remind you, man, we want you daily in God's word. And, and you can bring it on a Sunday too, but we hope that today is not the only day you're in God's word. We want you in day, God's word daily, by daily we would say. Uh, we're going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Luke Luke chapter 19 today, Luke 19, taking a look at verses 28 through 44. So a little bit longer passage today, but it reminds us of a day 2,000 years ago when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. So starting in, in uh, verse 28, Luke writes, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering it you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he was told, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. 
For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. What we find in our passage this morning is Jesus greeted by groups of people in different ways, different descriptions really of of who Jesus is, and they reveal for us exactly who Jesus is. And the first thing we find is Jesus is Lord. We start there, Jesus is Lord. So Jesus, he sends a couple of his disciples to go and get a colt, a, a donkey for Jesus to ride on, and Jesus tells them, Go into the village in front of you, where upon entering you'll find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. So from this passage and others, we find Jesus is Lord. And this is important. There there are many titles for Jesus in the Bible. He's Rabbi, the Good Shepherd, He's Lord, he's suffering, conquering king, he's prince, he's friend. And we have to be careful not to pick the ones we like and to solely see Jesus that way, omitting the characteristics we don't like as much. Is Jesus a friend to the poor? Absolutely, but he's also Lord. He's above everyone and everything. There is no equal to him. There is nothing alongside him or above him. Jesus is Lord. The Jews would have heard this as blasphemous. The Romans would have heard this as treasonous because the Romans would have declared Caesar is Lord. But Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm Lord. I'm Lord. Jesus in this statement is establishing himself in authority over everyone and everything that has ever lived upon the earth or will ever live upon the earth. This is a massive statement. So the disciples tell the owners of the colt, the Lord has need of it. And what is obvious then from this passage is they obviously then freely give it. I don't know about you. Somebody comes to my house, gets into the car, and is like, what are you doing? Well, the Lord has need of it. Oh, okay. Right? But we just kind of read right past that. But obviously these owners, like there was something in them, the the spirit bore witness to where they're like, yes, so Lord, it's yours. And I I think about this and and the way that these owners must have lived their lives. They obviously lived an open-handed life. And can I encourage you this morning, there is so much joy in living an open-handed life. We've talked about that in life, we're not in control. And that's a really good thing. God is. And if we live an open-handed life, then God can do some extraordinary things through the lives that we live. And, And what these owners demonstrate for us is that we should leverage our lives for the Lord. Leverage our lives for the Lord. And so I would ask you this morning, is Jesus asking you to leverage anything you might have for his sake? And when we talk about for his sake, we're talking about for the sake of those who don't yet know Jesus. 
Is the Lord asking you to do anything with that? You know, this congregation has always been a generous congregation, and every year around this time, we, we actually get an email from Assemblies of God World Missions. So this is an Assemblies of God church, and, and there are 13,000 Assemblies of God churches across the U.S., and, and so every year they, they'll email to say, thank you so much for being a part of giving for the sake of those who have not yet heard. You know, we did that uh, about a month ago, or, or maybe it wasn't even that long ago that, that Mark Renfro was here, and, and he cast vision for the opportunity we would have to give to curriculum that they'll use across the African continent in local churches so that African believers can be trained in how to reach their Muslim neighbor. That's a worthwhile work. And I love that this church responded by giving over $7,000 to that. That's awesome. We should celebrate those things. Praise God. But I got an email then this last week that said, and this is what you did last year. And can I remind you, last year was 2020. And I love that even in 2020, this church is still generous and says, we are still about the mission of God. We're still about it. So last year, would you like to know how we did last year in terms of missions giving? Wow, one yes. <laughs> would you like to know how we did last year in missions giving? <laughs> Last year, of 13,000 churches in the U.S., we were 149 in giving. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I love getting that email. So you're sitting in a church or you're watching online with a church that was in the top 1% of missions giving all across the U.S. That's awesome. We celebrate that. So this church gets it. This church understands they want to leverage their lives for the sake of those who have not yet heard. So thank you for being a generous church. I love that. And maybe you're new to the church. You know, we do something called Kingdom Builders, so maybe that's not something you've heard of. We haven't talked a lot about it. But there are people who are perpetually giving to Kingdom Builders and giving above and beyond that which is faithful giving. And, and we do that to support things like our Connection Point Food Pantry. We do that to support local ministries like Lafayette Urban Ministry and Trinity Mission and others. And we do that so that we can take and partner with those who are going to establish the good news of Jesus in parts and places of this world that have no access. Isn't that awesome that we can do that today? So I just would like to continue to encourage you. Be a part of giving. Leverage your life for the sake of the lost. We're going to do a miracle offering. We do that every May. First Sunday in May, May 2nd this year, we've got a couple coming who represent what would be a church planting training center in the stands. All of the stands, the Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and Kazakhstan, all of those countries along the Silk Road that don't have access to the gospel, and we're saying we want to partner with you because those people need Jesus too. So I just I put it before you now, and we'll talk about it in a month, but be thinking about, if, if, not, if you've not been given to Kingdom Builders, maybe consider starting to give. Leverage your life for the sake of the lost. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. But we also find from our passage that Jesus is King. Jesus is King. So Jesus, he came riding into Jerusalem on a colt, and in so doing, Jesus was making a very important public statement. Some people might argue that, that Jesus never presented himself as God. I've heard that argument. But he did. He did it in multitude of ways. Sometimes he would just say it, and other times he would show it. What we see in our passage is this occasion where Jesus says, I am the Lord. So he's already said, I am the Lord. So he declares it, but then he shows it by riding on a donkey. You see, there's been a prophecy that was given several hundred years before this moment by a man named Zechariah. 
And God had promised through Zechariah that you'll know that your prince has come, you'll know that your king-to-be is among you, your Lord is at hand when you see a particular something. You'll see it. And they were waiting for this, and, and that's exactly what Zechariah 9.9 says. Here's what that verse says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this prophecy was given several hundred years prior. Your king is coming. He's humble. He's righteous. He's coming to save you. And you'll know it's him when he rides into Jerusalem on a young donkey. And now think about this. They've been waiting hundreds of years. I don't think we can imagine what it must have been like on that day. I'm not sure that we can really fully understand. People had been living under Roman occupation, wondering, when, O Lord, when will our king come? Days, weeks, months, years, hundreds of years. People wondering, is he ever coming? And God has revealed he will come and he will come like this. And then one day, the people were not expecting it. They'd sort of lost hope, and there he is. And in that moment, the people realized this is the day that God had promised would come true. There was this feeling on the road of Jerusalem that day. Who's that? It's Jesus. What's he riding? A young donkey. Oh, oh, it's that day. That day that we've been waiting for, he's coming for us. I just can't imagine the feeling in the crowd that day as they recognized the day that they had been longing for had finally come, the return of the king. What we find is there's two responses to his coming. I think this is really interesting. Some people in the crowd say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I would hope that would be our response. People rejoice and they worship and they're glad and they celebrate. They line the street. They cheer and they sing. They're filled with emotion and passion. There's hope for us as a people, they exclaim. And what is Jesus doing? He's riding into Jerusalem to conquer Satan, demons, sin, death, and hell. And they know it. He's going to conquer all of our enemies. That's what he's about to do. He's going to wage war against all that's against us, that he might defeat our enemies, that he might deliver his people. But what I find interesting is not everyone rejoiced. You find some Pharisees respond, teacher, rebuke your disciples. This is the other response we find to Jesus. They didn't want Jesus to be their king. Some celebrated Others rebelled. But what does Jesus say? I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Why? Because all of creation was made by Jesus. You and me and the very trees in the fields next to us. So all of creation actually exists to glorify Jesus, our creator. And if people won't praise God, then apparently it gets to the point where trees and rocks will jump in. I don't know about you, but I would feel really bad if it came to that. I think that would be ridiculous. 
Uh, You see an echo of this in Romans chapter 8 where it says that creation has been frustrated by human sin. And it longs for liberation and deliverance in the coming of Jesus so that it might be free to glorify the creator God of the Bible. That's extraordinary. Jesus here is saying, I am to be worshipped and the people are not wrong. And even if you silence them, the rocks are going to cry out. So what about you this morning? Are you a person who likes to rejoice that the king has come? Are you willing to sing, to celebrate, to rejoice, maybe even raise your hands? Some of us, we're a little bit more free. Some of us, well, not so much. Uh, A pastor I know when he was a new Christian, a college student, he'd been a part of a pretty traditional church, and uh, he went and visited one that was a bit more charismatic in nature, and, and he didn't really know what that meant. But the next thing he knew, the band kicked in. People started singing like they meant it, which was new to him as well. And and people would sing and rejoice. They were exuberant like they thought Jesus was alive. He admitted to thinking it was a bit awkward at first, but I love talking with him about it. But then he considered, you know, if I was at a band concert or sporting event, I would probably be exuberant too. And Jesus is alive, so I guess I should probably be a little bit more happy about that. So my challenge for you is, let's be happy Jesus is alive. Don't be afraid to worship and freely worship. Jesus is alive and he is Lord and he is king and we should rejoice about that. I was telling Shelly yesterday, I was going over my notes, I'm like, man, there's, there is something about a Palm Sunday and Easter as we come to that. There is something to celebrate. So may we celebrate that Jesus has come because he's our Lord, he's our king, and he's our savior. Jesus is our savior. When you look at Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, it says, when he drew near and saw the city. So Jesus is is coming on the Mount of Olives. He sees the city before him. He's riding in. And while there's rejoicing, people praising Jesus, we also find that there's weeping. Jesus is crying. And I'll have to say, the Christian life can be like this. As you follow Jesus, there's both rejoicing and there's weeping. There's both of those things. Jesus sees the city of Jerusalem. He wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. The things that make for peace. Like we long for peace in our hearts, but like somehow we get too distracted to actually go after it sometimes. Because real peace is found in Jesus. And so then Jesus says, and now it's hidden from your eyes that basically you've closed your eyes to what really brings peace. And so there's Jesus, and and people are closing their eyes, and and Jesus says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. God had visited them. So here's God. Some people have closed their eyes, spiritually speaking, and they said, we, we don't see him. That, that was basically the response of the Pharisees. We don't see him. And, and so Jesus, you should rebuke that people see you this way. And Jesus looks at Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem as, as Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem, as Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem, as Paul wept over those who were of the line of Abraham that closed their eyes to Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus doesn't cry a lot. There's only two occasions in the Bible that we have recorded where Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five, 35, where his friend Lazarus dies, and, and, and the Bible has the shortest sentence where it just says, Jesus wept. 
And then here, where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. What we find is when God's heart is broken, God weeps. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should have the heart of God and we should weep over what breaks the heart of God. And what breaks the heart of God is a city that closes its eyes to Jesus. And in this case, it's Jerusalem that's closed its eyes to Jesus and Jesus weeps. You know, everyone is rejoicing. What are things to celebrate? And Jesus says, well, not for all. And he prophesies here that the city would be judged because they had been visited by God and not responded to him. They would be besieged by an enemy and the city would be destroyed. And, and it came true around 70 AD when the city was sacked. The temple was destroyed and all that Jesus promised would happen, it comes true. So what we find is there's this window of opportunity that God gives each one of us in each of our cities as well to take the hand of friendship extended to us through the person and work of Jesus and to respond in kind to say, I will be a Christian as Jesus defines it. I will walk with him. I will not close my eyes to this Lord, King, and Savior. I'll receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life and I will turn from evil and I will trust in him. We all have an opportunity for that. And so does our city that we live in, the greater Lafayette. And that's the heart of God, that, and that should be our heart as well as the Holy Spirit breaks our heart for the area in which we live. It should be this continual conflux of emotions. Tell me about Jesus. That's part of what we should do on a Sunday morning. We should talk about who Jesus is and how good he is. And we can re rejoice in him. Say, I love him, he's my Lord, he's my King, he's my Savior. That's what we do as we sing about him. We can rejoice in Jesus. But then people say, well, tell me about your city. I'm devastated. So many people don't know Jesus. So many lives ruined because they don't know Jesus. So it's like we get to rejoice in Jesus, but then we're devastated by those that don't yet know. And not only that, like Jesus says, we know for the sake of those in our city, it affects their children, their grandchildren, generations to come. That rejection of Jesus, it can echo from one generation to the next if we don't do something about it. So I would say this, as it relates to Jesus as King, Lord, and Savior. Look, if you've got a neighbor or coworker who doesn't know Jesus, maybe rejoice a bit more in Jesus that makes them curious of why. Help them to see who Jesus is. Is he your Lord? Is he your king? Has he really been your savior? And if so, share those victories. How has Jesus shown up in your marriage? How has Jesus shown up in your parenting? How has Jesus shown up in your workplace? Because Jesus is there. And let's make sure that we take the time to share with others so that more can rejoice in Jesus. Because I do believe Jesus weeps over those who don't know. And we should too. Jesus is Lord king and savior that's why we go through a series jesus and because if he's our lord if he's our king if he's our savior what his view is on all of these things and we've got a lot more things to talk about marriage and singleness and sexuality and racism all of these things and why does it matter that jesus's viewpoint on them because of who he is and if we know who he is and we walk in his ways then we know we're on the right path I want to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as we close in song, I would say this. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. You be glad. Raise your hands. Raise your voice. 
shout, clap, have a little fun. In case you haven't heard, Jesus is alive. So we can celebrate that this morning. And by being here this morning, you got to hear the good news of Jesus. By joining us online, you got to hear the good news of Jesus. And it's not too late for you. But I also want to say, if you're here hearing this message, you've had a visitation with God today through his word. We know that his word is alive and active. And and so if you've had your time of visitation, how are you going to respond to Jesus? Will you rejoice at his coming? Or will you rebel against it? My encouragement is, Rejoice in the coming of Jesus because he came to set you free. He came to set you free today. So if you're here, if you're joining us online, if you're here in this room or in our overflow rooms this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to your visitation with God. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but he ascended to heaven to the right hand of God, and he is praying for you still. This is the Holy Spirit's interceding for you right now to make a decision to follow Jesus. So are you here today? And you realize you've never responded to Jesus as Lord, King, and Savior. And I would put before you today what I realized at some point in my life as someone who grew up in the church. I had responded to Jesus as Savior, but it took me a little while to respond to him as Lord. And so maybe this morning, that's where you find yourself. Have you really enthroned Jesus as King? Because I want to say this, he really can't be your Savior unless you've made him Lord. So my encouragement today is respond to Jesus in that way today. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time because you've been walking in another direction. So with every head bowed in this room, who here today would say, I need to choose this moment of visitation with Jesus as my time to respond to him. I want to rejoice at his coming. Who here today would say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus and rejoice in his coming. I just invite you to raise your hand and I just want to pray with you before we leave today. Up here in the front, anybody else? Over here on the side, anybody else? say, I want to follow Jesus today. I want to rejoice at his coming. I don't want to rebel against his coming. Over here in the back, anybody else? Would say, that's me today. Down here in the middle, anybody else that would say, that's me today? I want to rejoice at his coming. I don't, I don't want to miss that time of visitation. I've had a number of people raise their hands, and I know we're not necessarily doing a, a prayer team right now because of uh, COVID and social distancing and such, but if some of you who serve on our prayer team, because I know I've seen some of you here in the sanctuary today, if you wouldn't mind to just come to the front right now, because what we want you to do, if you've made a decision to say, I really want to rejoice in the coming of Jesus and follow him, look, that's, it's a one-time decision in some regards. You've got to cross that line at some point, but at the same time, you're meant to journey with Jesus for a lifetime, and so we don't leave you alone in that decision that you may come to that decision on your own, but you're meant to grow in Jesus in community. And you've got a great community here. So thanks for some of our prayer team who have responded to come up. So if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but would like to respond today, don't leave this space and miss your time of visitation. You're in no greater place. You want to be in a room that would celebrate your, your coming? That's in this place today. Like we rejoice in the coming of Jesus, but we rejoice in you making a decision to follow him. So if you made that decision to raise your hand, I just encourage you, as we close in song this morning, come up and talk with one of our prayer team members. They'll, they'll take you off to a side room, really just to give you a Bible and information on where you go from here, because we don't want to leave you alone in that. 
And if you didn't raise your hand, you can still respond. So do that. If you're in one of the side rooms, feel free to come and, and catch one of our prayer team members. If you're online, just make a note on the comment section and Tim's on there and, and he'll help you know where you go from here. But music team, they're gonna come and we're gonna close. And I just encourage you, respond to Jesus today. Don't miss the fact that he came 2,000 years ago and he's coming still. He's here today and he's here for you.